Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show. We would be out somewhere doing something, and then I wouldn't want to be like, oh my God, tell my poor you know, 9 and 12-year-old that I'm having a stroke. So then I would try to control it, see if I can relax myself, call your father, try to do something um, to just distract me. And then, of course, what happens when you do that sometimes? Then it would turn into a panic attack and it would just accelerate. But then by the time I did, like, then we would start making these hospital trips. And then by the time we did get to a hospital, right away, that's the first thing I would say. You, you're having a panic attack. You're having a panic attack. And then it gets looked at as just that, correct? Exactly. Which is well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Now, we have a particularly special episode today. It is not our normal stuff where we are interviewing a practitioner that does this for their work. In fact, we are interviewing someone who has nothing to do with this in their work at the time of recording this. And I say that because there's some hints that maybe she'll do something with this in the future in one way or another, and that'll be cool. But nonetheless, she doesn't do it right now. And the reason we're bringing this person on, though, is because it's my mom. Now, it's not just because it's my mom. It is because she had a profound experience with the FDN system. She has also been through an incredible amount of stuff health-wise, and that's why we actually broke this episode into two parts. So tonight, Monday, August 9th, if you're listening to this anywhere close to it being released, you are listening to part one, and part two would have been out by August 11th of 2021. So if you're listening in the future, then you know that you can go back and, um, or well, I guess in this one, you wouldn't be going back. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know that both will be out if you're listening to this past around 8 p.m. EST on Thursday, August 11th, 2021. We are going to dive into the many things that she experienced. We're going to talk about how my own health issues and hers kind of clashed and how you can do some things to help restore relationships when they go bad because two people are very sick and don't realize it. We'll talk about maybe some things she would have done differently if she had known what she knew now before getting her thyroid removed. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff and just being involved in the system and not getting listened to by doctors. I mean, it's everything that you hear in this podcast normally, except it gets a little extreme. Now, I also want to say this. My mom not only does not do this professionally, she's not a health coach, she's not a health practitioner of any sorts. My mom has never shared her full story at all. I mean, of course, we know what has happened. We talk about bits and pieces, but never has she sat down with anyone and written something out or talked something out. So do we bounce a little bit from topic to topic in this podcast? Absolutely we do. And she still did an absolute kick-ass job, all things considered. And the story is definitely powerful nonetheless. So stick with us through part one and part two. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this and it's tough to listen to certain parts. It's very serious stuff, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There's a great thing that happened with the FDN Thrive system and FDN system. And so we want to share this with people so that they can avoid these things from happening to uh, the people that they love or themselves because my mom was sick for over 30 years before getting help. And when you've been sick for that long, even today, as healthy as she is and as great as she feels, we still have work to do because that's a lot of damage over those years. So we hope that you get something from this. We really enjoyed doing it. We did it live together. Without further ado, let's get to the episode. All right. Hello there, mom. Thanks so much for being here with us today. (laughs) 
Thanks for having me today, Evan. No problem. So my mom is a somewhat avid listener to the Health Detective podcast by FDN Thrive. But as I was saying in the intro, this is kind of a pretty special episode today. It's cool that we're able to do this. And not to mention, we technically have the first live and in-person guest. We're actually doing this <laughs> right across from each other. That's the advantage of having a really nice mic. You can do that. So we're going to be talking today about a lot of the experiences that my mom had. And the reason that we're doing this story is this. My mom's not a health practitioner. She's not a health coach. That's not what she's trying to do, right? She has a career outside of this. However, she has an incredible story with the things that have been able to be overcome since starting the FDN philosophy and more of a natural lifestyle. And these are things that doctors told her, you know, you can't fix or there's nothing that you can do about it. And a lot of heartache was caused because of this stuff. So there's two ways you can look at that. You can be miserable about it or you can share the experience with others um, to help them make the best out of it. And my mom chooses the second option. So that's pretty cool. So mom, we'll start off with the same question that we do with everyone on the Health Detective podcast. And that's, you know, it is what were you like as a kid, but I obviously know that. I don't think that's as important for today. So let's maybe reword that question into when do you remember your health symptoms starting? Because I know that you've been dealing with stuff for literally decades. Absolutely, Evan. Um, and also, I would first thing I would like to say is thank you for actually asking me to share my story. I never thought about it before. <laughs> like it's something to be shared since um, sometimes, especially with what I was dealing with and am dealing with, I guess, I'm controlling. How's that? To a degree, yeah. A degree. It's not, okay, nothing so, is fixed here. A lot of but. autoimmune diseases are looked at like they do say they're the silent disease. People don't realize that. And because of that, sometimes in the back of my head, I don't share it enough. Like I'm thinking, okay, I'm doing so great now. <laughs> What's there to talk about? But then all of a sudden, like when you and I were speaking and we're talking about sharing my story, it really sat there, made me sit for a second and think, wow. I guess I have been through a lot, okay? I but, think well, I mean, we mm, kind of both had that right. experience um, when we were talking about it because it's like when you live with something, either indirectly, myself, Correct. or directly with you, you're not there, – there is this ability for humans to just deal with things to some yep, degree, absolutely. right? And it doesn't make it easy, absolutely. but you just get used to things. And what, we're, what are we always talking about in the functional world? What's normal uh, – sorry, what's right, common is right, not right, normal. Correct. I love that one. And so our world became this is a normal thing, but then you forget – this actually isn't normal. And especially because my so-called personality, I am what they say or considered as type A personality mm -hmm. or a driven personality or um, going back to my childhood, not that it was, or should I say going back to, but when you were stating that question, mm -hmm. like it was a not um, a normal childhood. So then fast forward 20 years, that is what I thought I wanted to create it for my family so bad. Sure. Like I wanted to create... Like, it didn't have to be picture perfect. I wasn't looking for that. But was I looking to be the best parent, best wife that I could be? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think in doing that, um, I ignored myself a lot. I ignored symptoms a lot. Um, so the symptoms you were saying, like, which one's first few things sure. I was starting with to go back to what your original question was. That's okay. And yeah, how old was that to make sure you mentioned that? Okay. So, okay. Now, just like that. We talked about my childhood for two seconds. You stating that makes me think, wow. Okay, I remember my mom taking me for EKG when I was 13. Wow. Okay? okay, like when I was 12 and 13, I would have migraines. Like there was no, like, I know people get migraines, but they were different. Mm -hmm. Okay, they were different. They would, um, like, literally um, make me shake. But, and I maybe some people have had that, but. Um, I thought they were extreme for what my situation was. Sure. I'm like, I don't think I should be shaking. It was always the shaking. Tremors and shaking, in hindsight, 
are not normal. Mm-hmm. So when you look at that, it's like, okay, maybe I should have, but my, you know, growing up when I, as a kid in, um, in the city, Mountain Dew was a uh, food staple, okay, and Pepsi, so it was. And so, like, I just thought maybe I had too much caffeine and never thought about it, which I'm sure that was partly true as well. But going back and looking at everything, um, definitely the, the migraines, definitely not sleeping, and definitely sinus issues. They were like, but that was like the very, very beginning. And so this is all before 18? Oh, absolutely. Say. All right. Absolutely. Um, I really can't say if one has, um, if that, those issues coincided with my further diagnosis of Graves' disease. But um, it's funny, not, um, not funny really, but um, when I look back, like you and I, I've learned so much from FDN, I've learned so much from you and all the things that you brought into my world and all the experiences I've had and all the opportunities of the healthcare field for that FDN has provided that sometimes I, um, forget this road was so much longer than yeah like i was like I mean, so, decades literally decades, decades. Yeah. so and then one of the things that fdn and you and um, i've heard before is about the same um that little saying that you know um genes load the gun environment prudes the um pulls the trigger, pulls the trigger. <laughs> but there has to be the other thing that gets me so like how should i say this like if they say genes load the gun mm-hmm. Who made the gun? How's that? Okay, (laughs) seriously. Who made the gun, put the gun in your body for your genes to load it? Because there's definitely, like, I believe in the whole predisposed, like, there's nothing, I used to think there was something I could do differently. Like, before I was born, or like, I was born like this, or something like that. I'm like, no, you definitely are predisposed for a certain reason, but there has to be another uh, um, looking into autoimmune diseases, especially, there has to be um, whether it is amino acids or proteins or something we all have or we're all missing in ourselves to me. But nonetheless, um, I actually would like to go into um, first, I'll go into my symptoms, but sure. then I don't want to forget like you hit the nail on your on the head saying, I went to doctors over and over again. So Okay, so I want, I have to digress. Okay. Well, and I can help too because Thank I think you. that's Thank you. you know it's always the job as the interviewer to help guide the things, and Thank I think you. there's actually no easier way to guide it than with a family member. So we have these symptoms starting out at a very young age, and again, not that this is funny, but I know that you kind of laugh about yeah. this because you went. If I'm not mistaken, was it the dentist was also the tattoo artist, or that they shared an <laughs> oh office? Gosh, I'm glad you actually remember. See, like forget about all the stuff. Okay, yeah, because there's a lot of it teeth was, problems too that happened as a result of absolutely. the diet. Absolutely, no, it was it. Um, we were low income to say the very least, maybe consider poverty. I don't know. Um, I guess my mom did the best she could, but we were on welfare and we got sent to a welfare dentist. But this is like, like this is pre, this is many, like when I was like a child, child, like from say six to 12. So this would be in the seventies. Just Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And so the dentist on the corner was a tattoo parlor. <laughs> and it's also where I went and got my teeth fixed. <laughs> and 20 years later, 30 years later, I've been spending the last 15 years of my life getting mercury replaced out of my teeth. And I've had almost seven to eight root canals in my teeth. Like this is like, I've had one in the back pulled. I swear, coincidentally, I feel like that really helped a lot getting the bacteria the amount that bacteria that's in your mouth sure but again 
we're talking about like no one ever mentioned that to me. Like no one ever asked, did you have any dental problems? Did you have, how many fillings do you have? Nothing was ever said. My biggest, so my symptoms started like, um, okay, so you have your children, you're living the dream and everything's going really well. And um, you're climbing the ladder in the sense of like, you know, living, doing the things you want to do and getting your house and um, getting a job that you want. And then which led me to um, buying a restaurant and doing everything that I thought I ever wanted to do. And it was happening. It was real. But at the same time, the stress level that continued with it, I guess, was so heightened, I didn't realize it at the time. So going back to wanting to have that family and that situation of I never want to not be there for my kids or my husband, I thought I could do it all. I guess that sounds arrogant. I don't want to say I actually thought I could do it at all. What happened was I didn't need sleep. And I didn't know why. Had a perception of right, not right. Sleep. I didn't need sleep. And all of a sudden, I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm like, okay, so I'm not feeling that great. But all I know is this. I could get the kids onto the bus, pull out in front of them, get to my restaurant, run it all day, come home, take them. Of course, with my husband as well. You know, it's like he was helping me always along the way. Your dad. Yeah. Okay, super dad. Okay. But then when we were all doing, doing our um, family things at night or activities at night or homework at night, that's when I would be like, it's nine o'clock at night. And I, oh, this is when I should have known there was a problem. When, when I'm thinking, okay, great, it was part of the non-sleeping. But when I'm thinking I could start another day at nine, I felt like I could start another day. Like I would be making a cup of coffee or doing something. And I, this went on for three to four years and didn't stop. But along with that go, went a ton of symptoms, all that I ignored. Um, like I'm going to list a few because I wanted to list a, a few. Yeah, my mom was prepared enough that she even has like notes jotted down. She wanted. She doesn't share her story ever. I mean, no, I is, actually yeah. didn't think about it until we were speaking of it today. Sure. And actually, there's like so many symptoms and things. Like I um, definitely blurred vision. I should have known. Again, I I'm going to try to stay on track. It's very hard for me to stay on track. But so let me just go down a few things like sure. that. This is what it's important for me to say what they were because what's more important it was what was not done. Mm -hmm. After the fact, I had blurred vision. I had headaches. I had this insane numbing on the left side of my face and in my arm. So, of course, what they think a 40 year old woman, they're like, they think it's a stroke or they sent you for a heart attack. Or I had, trust me, I've had every CAT scan, EKG, um, MRI, you can imagine, ultrasound, echogram. All this stuff is being done, but they all kept telling me it was stress. It was stress. It was stress. Um, Horrible weakness. This is what didn't coincide okay with a stroke well it does with a stroke but not a heart attack i would have weakness and pain but in both my legs but definitely in my left leg um death went to this family doctor that's all they would ever say oh it's stress you're doing too much oh it's stress oh you have young kids you have a restaurant that's all it is you'll be fine and i'm like okay so this literally went on for like two to three years all of a sudden it started getting worse way worse um this was the only way I can describe it, okay? If I had a feeling of what it would be like. If I was shot, if someone gave me a shot of adrenaline or, um, what do you call that? Um, not uh, Well, I think you're thinking of norepinephrine, but that's, that's that exactly is adrenaline, what, yes. Yes, that's what I'm yeah. thinking of, right? But if it's like something, no, I'm, exactly, I know they're wearing the same, but I mean like literally a shot of it. Yeah. And through in your body, how you would feel that intensity and that um, uncomfortable feeling and 
again, shaking, tremors like there was no tomorrow. And also my heart rate, my resting heart rate, always in the beginning of this um, horrible situation, I'll call it, because it was a bad situation. I don't want to be too extreme, though. Looking back now, it was horrible. In the beginning, I didn't think, again, did I ran, I exercised. So I'm like, okay, maybe I have a higher heart rate. Mm -hmm. I talked fast. I still do, but it was like insanely fast. Um, I was eating a ton and not gaining weight. Well, that was the... I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, that no, was the a, only crazy part because I never... I was a kid. I would have never right. thought about this at the time. My mom is very thin and, I mean, like abnormally thin, honestly, I think back then. You know, back, yeah, oh, yeah, you back look then, healthy yes. now. Back yeah, then, it right. was like getting extreme. Right. No, absolutely. And my mom would eat a thing a of ton. Chips Ahoy like, every night. Like right. a whole thing of Chips Ahoy. And if I may, the one thing I want to add for the audience, because every now and then we get people that aren't health practitioners and this might help them. So what the audience would probably be a lot more familiar with is Hashimoto's thyroiditis and hypothyroidism. So this is obviously when your um, thyroid is so underactive that it's causing this slowing down of all the processes. You see constipation, you see weight gain that makes no sense, you see a ton of fatigue. So a lot of the things that my mom is describing, Graves' disease, and hyperthyroidism is less common, but it's you can basically say it's the opposite of the Hashimoto's and hyperthyroidism. It's still an autoimmune disease, Graves' disease, but it's a Graves uh, an autoimmune disease of an overactive thyroid. So you are going to get a lot of opposite symptoms from these other things. So imagine if you know someone with this hypothyroidism, how hard it is for them to lose weight. It might even be you. Switch that around, and then you get someone that literally has this jacked up metabolism, right. which sounds fun, but it, I mean, you're right. And then what ends up happening is your body is craving energy so bad mm -hmm. that you end up eating so much that you actually start gaining weight. Okay. So then okay. I start gaining weight. So then I was like, okay, the one lousy benefit of having Graves' disease for a woman would be losing weight. And all of a sudden, <laughs> right, all of a sudden, you would start gaining weight. And I did it by the end, by the time we were figuring out what was wrong with me. Um, then I was like probably gained like 15 pounds. Not that I can, the weight's not an issue, but it was like weird to see where I, where it could go. Like the swings were insane. Like you would go from one to the other, but to try to like, um, put this as a synopsis is so hard because there sure. was so many, so many symptoms of the not needing sleep and especially uh, dizzy being, I went to the doctors probably from 2008 to 2000. 10 complaining constantly i am dizzy i am dizzy they diagnosed me with vertigo they said i had well, i do have sinusitis but it was although it's definitely sinuses it's definitely um you have you need drainage tubes in your ear it was always and actually i think they actually called it benign vertigo and then i was on a nose spray yeah. um forever because they're saying well it's not true vertigo but because you have so your sinuses are so bad that it's like vertigo and i'm like okay again I think that's normal. So I'm like, I'm just not, I'm taking like every over-the-counter product that it is, a few uh, prescription drugs of like for sinuses, for migraines, still keeps happening. But the uh, the adrenaline um, episodes that I was describing, they kept coming more and more and more. And it was terrifying. <laughs> and when those episodes would happen, that's when it got real bad because all of a sudden, I don't want to show this because I'm literally thinking I'm having a stroke, trying to hide it from young children because you and your sister were only, um, when this first started, like I would say nine and 12 probably. Okay. And then 10. Which would make you about, just to put perspective yeah. for the audience, this would be late thirties or early forties. Yeah, 30, yeah 39, 40. Perfect. Yeah, okay. exactly right. Um, so yeah, so 
you know you're hitting the nail on the head like because by the time you're exactly right because 2021 i'm 52 i was 42 when i finally got diagnosed but this happened some like from the time i was like 38 39 like all in the yeah. 40 yeah like it went on for years but then me trying like we would be out somewhere or doing something and then i wouldn't want to be like oh my god tell my poor you know nine and 12 year old that i'm having a stroke so then i would try to like control it see if i can relax myself you know, call your father, try to do something um, to just distract me. And then, of course, what happens when you do that sometimes? Then it would turn into a panic attack and it would just accelerate. But then by the time I did, like, then we would start making these hospital trips. And then by the time we did get to a hospital, right away, that's the first thing I would say. You, you're having a panic attack. You're having a panic attack. And then it gets looked at as just that, correct? Exactly. Which that's exactly what it got looked at. Yeah. And these are... Then, uh, now I had... Then I... Then, I'm sorry to interrupt yeah, you. Then good. it was like... Um, I remember the one time... Um, seeing my doctor's notes and I wish I could remember the exact wording I used to be able to she oh that's I think she said she goes Christine has anxiety disorder and is in total denial of it that is what she wrote in the notes I was like you know what whether or not I have anxiety disorder or not this this is more some things like it was a half truth yeah and this is one of the biggest reasons we're sharing this today my mom and I when we're sick because everyone's genes kind of go right. differently. We both present with neurological symptoms and definitely get mental health stuff. And it's scary, you know, because right. it does get looked at as that. But when a doctor tells you that and ignores all these other things, that's only a half truth. And that's just insulting to say the last part. Right. You know, and it's this crazy crap that we see out well, there. And not to mention the fact that I definitely think that the undiagnosed undiagnosed graves or undiagnosed any disease are so horrible. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do major now, like, right, as you know, sadly, I have, and um, for your listeners, like, they everything's con- Controlled, but it's um, I have uh, PVC sometimes. I there are uh, pulmonary ventricular contractions. Sometimes my heart rate will go a little off. Some still um, I have a very small, almost minute because it's I've been at the University of Pennsylvania because they I love. I don't want to like I don't know if I should have said that or not because I don't like throwing one institution under a bus or bus or not. But University of Pennsylvania, when I came to them. With all my functional diagnostic, I um, rec- uh, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, not like with what's the other word I want to use? Ev, like your labs, your protocols. All of it, right? Okay. Exactly. Thank you. Okay, they listened. They wanted to know what they were. I remember handing my my family doctor all the stuff that I found out. Uh, I was thrilled. I was all excited. I'm like, look what I found out. And she was like, I can't read any of this. I don't, I don't deal with that. I was like, great. But the other thing is, every time I would go to them, I would say, what can I do? What do you think is like, like what is like any suggestions? They would always say, there's nothing you can do. This is just the way you are. Yeah. Well, like, we definitely can't list the name, but we could certainly talk about it because, yeah, that family practice is something. And guys, kind I mean, people. we are I mean, blessed people. Like, we right. live in a beautiful area. Yeah. This is not, I mean, I'm not saying they're the best ever, but. No, this is pretty damn good. We're and we're lucky enough to live. And my local endocrinologist, you know? I do, I you know, I consider him a friend to this day. But he did me no justice when he said to me that when I first found out I was diagnosed with Graves, the very thing he's like, "Don't worry, it's just Graves' disease." And since I didn't know what it was, I was like, I remember calling your dad saying, "Don't worry, it's just Graves' <laughs> yeah. disease." Okay, and if only, and little did I know that was like. Like, that was the beginning of a whole nother can of worms. Mm-hmm. Like, just, oh, it's just Graves' disease. But to try to, like, wrap up um, where we got to um, three times that I remember, your dad says it was more, okay? But one time in the bathroom, um, I was getting dressed for work. 
I fell on the counter. I must have passed out. I remember seeing you and your sister after that. But then again, we're calling for the hospital, going to the hospital. Many, many, many trips to the hospital. No one knew. Um, another time when I was at work, I thought I slipped on something. And they, again, took me to the hospital again from work because um, I slid down the refrigerator. Thought I slipped. Again, they said, no, you didn't. Your eyes rolled to the back of your head and you passed out. I'm like, well, I don't remember that. Mm -hmm. And then one wonderful evening like this is like the biggest one and i know the date okay it was august 18th and night oh my gosh it's coming up on my anniversary 2011. i had come home had a great day you and i were talking we were sitting at our kitchen table we were laughing 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 i remember laughing so hard that like my head went down to the table and i lifted it back up and i oh my God, I was really tired though i was very that's the other thing that happens when you are hyperthyroid you're going you're like a little hamster running on a wheel all day. So you are, you're not tired. You're fatigued beyond belief. Like every cell in you is just screaming. Mm -hmm. And again, you're so used to this. Like I remember calling my girlfriends and saying to them, do you wake up feeling like, like I would be like, do you wake up like with pain in your leg, um, not being able to move your arms? <laughs> like I thought it was an age thing. I was just yeah. about to ask, yeah, is I, that because I, you I, thought, I, okay, is this getting totally. older? And then one of my, my, my absolute best friend, she's like, no. I don't like thinking like, okay, I can't even believe you're asking me such a silly question because that's not it. But going back to that day, we were laughing. I went upstairs, I laid down and this, it was worse than I've ever, ever had, ever had. I'm laying in bed. I can literally hear my, I feel and hear my heart coming out of my chest. Like it had to be over like 120. It was insane. I barely could get up. It's one of the first times that it was so bad that there was no, I didn't care about hiding it from you, your sister, dad. I'm like, we need to get me to the hospital. And that was a horrible, horrible um, car ride for you guys to have to witness and remember. I remember getting in the car with you guys. I remember hearing you on the phone because we were going to try to get me to the hospital. And I remember the last thing I remember saying was, we need to get an ambulance now. Mm -hmm. And so at our local Wawa, an ambulance came and got me and took me to the hospital. But that was like the changing moment of my life because finally I get to the hospital. Um, this is like totally in hindsight. I thought our local hospital finally found out what's wrong with me. And here there was a visiting doctor from, I, I, can I throw his name out there because... Well, if it's her, a positive, of course. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Doc, yeah. Dr. Ashkenazi, he's at Jefferson Hospital. I actually hope he hears this someday because <laughs> because it was amazing because I didn't know this at the time. They gave me all these tests. The ER, ER doctor was very good. Finally, it was actually a bunch of coincidences at the same time because when we got there, we see this ER doctor. He's listening to me for like, they always like listen, but I could see that this gentleman was like, and I had seen him a couple times before. So now I'm like a frequent flyer at the ER big time over the summer yeah. of 2011. Um, and sadly, so are you two, um, three of you, including your dad, because we're going there all the time. And I, I said to your dad, I said, I just got a bunch of blood work because we're still trying to find out what's wrong with me. So coincidentally, finally, my own doctor was running but she ran some, but not. She only ran a TSH. Okay. So as we know in. Oh yeah, this audience is gonna yeah, love that. Yeah, I was gonna say as we know in the functional diagnostic world, you need a lot more than TSH. But if this shows you anything else about how my other numbers were probably at the time, which I I didn't know at that moment. So we called her office. I said, 
let's find the, you know, the ER doctor wanted to know what the result was. And he comes back and he goes, your hyperthyroid, he goes, your TSH is 0.001. That was what my TSH is. So it was tanked below, beyond tanked, okay? Then they admit me for the weekend because now they're going to do a bunch of tests. But I'm thinking, great, they know what they're doing. They're finally figuring it out. But going back to Dr. Ashkenazi, he was so kind. In my portal, I'm like, maybe they shouldn't even have this in here because I appreciate the fact that they admitted something like this. He's like, she's been here six times this summer. Find out what's wrong with her. And I still love him to the day for that because I don't know how long this would have went. Mm -hmm. Even that ER, um, I'm sorry, that ambulance drive, I heard the EMT say, I think I might have shared this with you too, Evan. The EMT said, oh, no, she opened a restaurant a few years ago. It's stress. They didn't even hook me up to an IV, nothing, a monitor. And I remember hearing the ER doctor say to me, as like this ER doctor, he actually knew his stuff too, because he goes, she's in shock. You're lucky she's not dead. Mm-hmm. Because they just assumed it was stress and this you know, crazy woman. Oh, we've seen her at the grill before. I'm sorry, I stayed at my restaurant. I should have done that, I guess. Doesn't matter. Okay, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think it'd be uh, pretty easy to find, to be honest, if someone actually true, cared true, to true. do that. But um, it was just very, very like, it was such a wonderful feeling to know someone was finally listening and going to do something about it. So it was in there all weekend, found out a bunch of things. Um, it was a... <laughs> Not that this is a great thing, but right away, Dr. Ashkenazi came in on Sunday after like being tested and tested. He's like, I'm pretty positive you have Graves' disease. He's mm-hmm. like, I want you to go get, meet with a local endocrinologist. He's like, you have to do a little bit more advanced testing, but because of all the pain in my body and he was having like, um, he was doing all kinds of like uh, testing on my legs and everything. He gave me a steroid right away. And that of course made me feel way better immediately because it was like, I, I just, just I don't even just the fact that um, there was so much damage to my legs, especially to my legs because I overcompensated all the time. Sure. So I was fortunate enough to feel better from that. But then to try to fast forward a little bit, I met doctor my doctor endocrinologist that I have actually today. But um, he's on kind of like a back border per se because I have another one down at the University of Penn that believes in functional diagnostic. Like I love that. Can, about. I don't want to ruin oh, your flow, yeah, but this no. is so no, cool. No, actually, I'd rather is... have you interrupt because it ha- helps me think more. And okay, the audience is going to love not this. That you interrupted. So this was in 2020, I believe, or maybe early 2021. Nonetheless, you wouldn't expect this at all yet. So this is at <laughs> University of Penn, which actually, to be dead honest. That might not be as well known because we have worldwide mm-hmm. listeners and yeah, definitely sure. people sure, around sure. the they're country. One, they're one of the best in the world, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, University of Penn is an Ivy League institution yeah. and that's their hospital. So it's a pretty well-respected place where we're from, which is you know right outside of Philadelphia, about 45 minutes, 50 minutes outside of Philadelphia. What did the woman I, say this, to you I about lo- that? I love this. You already know what I'm going to say. Oh, right? Of course I know what you're going to say because it was one of the best moments for me to get to come home and tell you, okay? So... I really, you get attached to your doctors, even if you know, like, even if you know they're like, there's more to do. And thank goodness, thanks to FDN, like, I realized there, no, there's lots of stuff still left to do to help me continue to be as my best version of myself as I can be. Mm-hmm. And so my antibodies are still through the roof. And the endocrinologist that I adore and love said, oh, don't worry about them. They're fine. And I'm like, mm, I'm not liking this answer much. So then I decided just recently to go to a new endocrinologist at University of Penn. And so like I have all my paperwork and like she asked for everything. So this is seven years 
um, even more so seven years like well because when I got a thought like I feel like I'm all over the place because there's just so much I apologize for that so she went seven years from the time I got my thyroidectomy which was 2013 to now so she had all the she's looking at everything she's reading everything I'm like okay I'm gonna let her absorb all this and the first thing she said to me are you gluten-free? And it was the best and proudest moment. It's a doctor at yes. University uh-huh. of Penn, so ch- times are changing. Yes, big time. And the first thing I said is, my son is going to love you. And the second was, it was felt really good to be able to say, two years, yep. And she's like, great job. And yeah. that's what she said. So like, I was, yeah, it was great. So I'll bring us back and keep us Thank on you. track with certain things because especially when, again, this is, guys, this is someone who has never once shared your story in any chronological order. Well, no, I'm saying, but this is, first of all, it's great, but that's not the point. The point is it's hard to remember everything. Like, Oh, it it really is. When you do podcasts often or if you speak professionally or something, you learn to tell all these details because certain things that I want to go back to just for a second that I think are super important is that in your early 20s, you started exhibiting something that I also had, extreme cystic acne. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, like that's what even, that would even dawn on me to say that because there is right. so and, many, when you look back, there's so many things. Um, well, and I'm thinking about yeah. things from a more of a health detective yeah. type of correct, standpoint correct. that you might not even be registering right now. And you know, my mom was about to marry my dad. Yes. You got cystic acne. It's terrible. And you used Accutane, of course, yep. you know, because, and especially back then, this was more posed as a miracle drug. Absolute, now it's oh, scary. Absolutely. Yeah. It was posed as a miracle drug. Now it's a miracle drug that really doesn't even work as often as it used, as it used to, which just proves that this is so much right. more than just, right. you know, something that we need medication for. Um, but not only that, it was this miracle drug. This is just what you take. And to me, it was. Yeah. To me, it was because it worked. But the, and also, the dermatologist I went to at the time, I did respect the fact. But again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, I should have wondered. Every month, I needed to get blood work to make sure nothing was happening to my liver and to make sure I wasn't pregnant. Because I'm like, okay, I should have known then. But that just shows the desperation you get in. My face, to me, it lowered my self-esteem so much that I didn't care at that point. Like you could have told That's me, a very yeah, hard yeah, one for yes. people to understand yeah. unless they've yeah. dealt with it. I mean, it's it becomes an obsession. It's yeah. all you think Absolutely. about. You check the mirror 200 times a day just to look at the same thing you saw the other 199 right. times. I mean, it's ridiculous. But the reason I'm mentioning that is because it, it proves how well this system works and what it can do. Because yes, you listed off some things that you're still dealing with today and we're still actively working on things together and getting sure. them better and better. But the thing is, this is someone that came to FDN with 30, literally 30 plus years of relatively severe stuff. Absolutely. Um, Now, and I'm curious about this because I don't think we've even talked about this. So you're in your early 20s. Yes. You have uh, the Accutane. You will, sorry, not have it. You go on it. That's okay. And then you start experiencing what we now know was Graves' disease symptoms in like the mid 30s, kind of late 30s. Correct. Do you recall any symptoms that were going on between the early 20s and then? I mean, and it could be something that you would have considered small. Did you get regular headaches? Were you living off the Advil? Like what was going on in that time? I did have regular headaches, definitely. And like now that like we were touched base on that, I was, and it's funny because it went um, at certain like, ebbs and flows like sometimes I would be I would say a normal weight okay which was still thin for me and other times I would be like insanely thin to the people to the um to the point where people would say stuff to like um to your grandfather because I worked at a local restaurant at the time and like other friends would say stuff like are you eating are you this and I'm like I'm sitting there next to them like chowing down like mad so like my my weight should have been 
definitely like a red flag to me. Like, how can I eat this amount of food in my 20s? Right? Like, I know some people can when they're like, well, and this is, but see, this but just shows what age 20s. does. Because yeah. we, yeah, but we still think like, oh, okay. The reason you don't think about it is because oh, I'm kind of young. Right. And then just, that was a very valid question to your friend as you got quote unquote older. Hey, do your legs hurt? Yeah, we did, just right. associate these things with age. And so I guess a, a good way of viewing this then with that weight thing, even though you felt good because right, everything correct. hasn't burnt out yet, right. it is probably fair to say that you could have seen some symptoms of Graves in your 20s. Oh, absolutely. Even. Wow. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, absolutely. I just I absolutely think I could. Yeah. And then other things to mix in that, again, from a health detective standpoint are really relevant to me is you're someone who just right out the gate started working. I mean, hell, you were working right. in high school. I mean, I don't. I think we can talk about this. Sure, You're all out of not. I mean, you were working night shift in high school at one correct, point. Correct. Right. Yeah. No. So right. Like again, I just didn't think about it. Um, our family was in a difficult situation, and my mom worked graveyard shift, and because she went like I didn't have a license because I wasn't even 16 yet so I, the only way for me to go to work like and actually like I had other jobs prior to that even but they were like after school jobs three to six yeah like realistic and, things right three well yeah but back but see back then like I remember that minimum wage was three dollars and 25 cents an hour and we were walking away so that was a 15 hour week so I worked Monday through Friday three to six and we were walking away with uh, okay you know a $50 check comes down to like a $27 check like it was nothing okay yeah. so when my mom would be like if you waitress you can make a ton of money but I would leave you be done school and I would go to work at 11 and work till 7 in the morning which on the weekend at like 16 right yeah yeah okay yeah right. well, actually I was a little younger but I didn't want to tell you guys that <laughs> <laughs> yeah because the reason I would go with her is because I couldn't drive so <laughs> <laughs> Again, try but, and the it. night shift did. It, I don't. It's not that that necessarily continued in the same way. But if I'm not mistaken, even in your late teens and early twenties, because you started working as a waitress right away, right, like hustling right. and whatever, mm -hmm. you were always still working nights to a degree. Like you weren't coming home at nine p.m. and falling asleep. Actually, um, no. Actually, I didn't start that again until I had you and your sister. Okay. So okay. From the time, like, so I would say from eighteen to twenty-six. Eighteen and twenty-six. It was a lot of work. I worked a lot, but it was always like normal. Like I would be done every day. Oh, great. You know? Okay, I didn't. Even um, I, do, that. I had my real estate license though too, so it was like I did. You know what? Actually, now you're making me think about a lot of stuff I haven't thought about. Yes, there was a couple places that I did work. Well, I worked doubles a lot at mm -hmm. a bunch of different places. So I would I would go to work at one from seven to four. Go to another one from five to nine. Or I would do the real estate and the serving at the same time. Like I did, I worked a, like a tremendous amount, maybe a little bit too much. Well, sure, and you're riding off that energy, you know. Because yeah. you're, I'm mean, not that you wouldn't be. I know you well enough to know that you'd just be a hard worker anyway. But there's a difference between hard worker and like, okay, I'm, I'm literally stimulated. Right. Like I, I right. need to go. I need to go do something, right. and we take it out on those types of things. Okay, so some other things that I think are important. You referenced this already, but it's important to address directly. We eventually got to the point where. You know, you're taking out your thyroid because it seems like there's nothing else that can be done. May I actually um, go before that a yeah. little bit? Because, see, this is the part that is, like, so... I, when I think about it now, I guess it, I mean, it's... The word that's keep coming to my head, which is true, like, it's dramatic for me to say, but it's devastating. And I'll tell you why. So, I meet this wonderful man. He's my endocrinologist. And he sends me for the two-day, uh, those of you who have known, definitely FDN mm -hmm. practitioners know. 
Um, it's the thyroid uptake test. So that's the radioactive iodine. You put the pill in and you take an ultrasound, obviously, of your thyroid before and after and see how much iodine takes up. And that's why he's like, okay, you have Graves' disease and it's just Graves' disease. And I'm going to put no real information about it. I did ask. I did ask what it was. He told me it was autoimmune, but he kept telling me it was no big deal. You won't die from it which I found out later, like that's actually what was happening that day I was in the ER, that they said it was definitely a version of thyroid storm, but like storm, but like intense. Like, I actually don't think it was because for what I believe thyroid storm to be, like, I don't know how you- I was about to say, we should pause for a second in the sense that I actually think there might be some people out there that wouldn't know what thyroid storm is. So what's the lay person's- You don't have to get technical. What is that actually? It's better. It is good for me because I do everything in simple terms. What it is, is when your thyroid dumps all your... Okay, so remember, it's autoimmune. So you're... When you have Graves' disease, your thyroid... You... Your thyroid thing, um, your body's telling your thyroid, it it doesn't work. Okay? It's sending a message that it does not work. But it is working. Okay? So now your body's pituitary glands telling your thyroid, oh, we need more thyroid hormone when you're already making it because your loop is way off because that's what your autoimmune disease is telling your body. So now you got like two times, three times, four times the amount of hormones in your body. And like you have mentioned, as opposed to Hashimoto's, we're talking about heart rate, um, temperature, um, weight loss, um, dry skin, um, swelling of uh, the other thing that people do not know. They always say, Oh, it's always thyroid, thyroid, no thyroid. Your thyroid gets taken out because it's the one thing they can do, or it doesn't have to be taken out, but I'm just saying they, in their world. Yes. In their world. Thank you. Okay. They choose that because that's the fastest thing that if they get that out, they can stop the majority of major symptoms, but you still like it actually, Graves' disease, like, I don't know um, the actual term for these things, but it attacks your skin and your um, tissue behind your eyes. It's like a soft tissue um, situation as well. And that's why there's thyroid eye disease in the, because it's the pressure behind your eyes that creates the bulging. Mm-hmm. Lucky for me, I only had that very slightly, but even, oh, there you go. That was another huge symptom. Blinking, dry eye, twitching eye all the time. Like, this is another symptom that I had when I was going to the doctors. And I'm like, nobody knew. I I am so textbook Graves' disease that if anyone looked up on him, like, you'd be like, your doctors couldn't figure this out. Trust me. Well, and, that, and that's what's disturbing. Annoying. It's disturbing. Because we don't diagnose anything here, obviously, but we can at least give an intelligent direction for right. someone to take to a doctor. And that's what it is, Shane. Any FDN, for the most part, right. is going to be able to pick this up. Yeah, gonna, absolutely. Especially right. one that works more with thyroid uh, clients. They're going to be able to be like, okay, this is obviously you know, Graves' thing. Or at least go get the thyroid checked just with those types of symptoms. If I didn't know what Graves' disease was as an FDN, because there's going right. to be some that might not. I mean, there's over 100 autoimmune diseases. Yeah, they might correct. not know that. I would at least recognize that, hey, this needs to be looked at by a doctor. Like Correct. some things need to be looked at and then we can come in and do the functional things that we do. So that's important. Um, okay, cool. So I'm a thyroid advocate, not even just to do autoimmune, but I am like, first thing I say to anyone, I'm like, I want a thyroid panel <laughs> from all my friends. I want to know what it says. I want to read your numbers. And that's the other thing because I said, I don't want to hear that your numbers are normal. I want to see your numbers because 0.45 is not normal, okay, on the low end. And 4.5 or like say in the... Um, uh, Western world 
my range is yeah. 0.45 for low and 4.50 for high. Sure. And you could literally be at 4.38 and they're like, you're fine. I'm and, like, no, you're not fine. And okay? this has always been the issue with the reference ranges. It's yes. taken from a population that's just the average person. It doesn't specify whether they're sick or not by a functional standard. And so that's why, especially the TSH, this is one of the most horrendous markers right. historically. In the last like 15 years, there are still or have still been places that were from what I've heard, sure. using a 10.0 as the upper oh end gosh. of the reference range for TSH. That's I mean, that's like classic hypothyroidism Absolutely. and even possibly Hashimoto's. Yeah. When we look back to when I was a kid, because I had a bunch of stuff going on that you guys can hear in a different episode, my mom took me to get tested for Absolutely the thyroid. I did. You better believe that's one and of the first things I did. And it was 4.5 back then. Yeah. Now, is that the most astronomical number you have ever heard? No. From a functional range, that is hypothyroidism. I mean, yeah, that's... but if I knew that now, right, if I knew what if I knew what I knew now, I would have been like, this is not normal for him. Exactly. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Well, yeah. And, but again, yeah. There, look, I think the reference range that I did at that time was to 5. It yeah. was like a 0.5 to 5. So I was like, okay, not yeah. a thyroid thing. like, good. Yeah. Because how is anyone exactly. going to know this without that? Yeah. So I know that um, you've done a really cool amount of mindset work with the thyroid stuff. Correct. And that's helped with that. But nonetheless, this is where I think some of the most powerful moments in the podcast lie is towards this end stuff and kind of the mm -hmm. lessons that can be learned. Is there, knowing what you know now and having gone through the FDN philosophy eventually, what advice would you give if someone is out there right now maybe dealing with similar symptoms and this idea of the thyroid thing being removed is being talked about, what advice would you give them? Because there are so many things you didn't even know about because no one ever told you. First thing that comes to my head, anyone that tells you there's nothing you could have done, like a person, any person, sadly, yes, I'm sure there's diseases. Like I can't think of, sorry, at the top of my head, I can't think of one and I don't want to seem arrogant when I sound like, like towards doctors per se to say this, but if a doctor ever says you can't do anything to help your situation or you cannot do anything to help your disease, absolutely question that. You have to question that because there's no way even, I mean, it seems like a no brainer. Why did I say like, can't, I should have known to change my way of eating. I should have known. I mean, think about it, drinking water, sleeping, um, just sugar. I mean, it all makes so much sense to me now. I don't know why it didn't then, but I was told over, I would ask, what can I do? What can I do? And they're like, nothing. I think sometimes we look for that answer because we're like, oh good. It's not my fault. There's nothing I could do about it. It makes it a lot easier for the, you know, your participation in it. But you have like, you have to say and acknowledge the fact that, you know what, even if you like it or not, it's kind of like if obesity runs in your family or type two diet, diabetes runs in your family. Yeah. I always say like, yeah, that sucks. Guess what? So you can't eat. So some people could eat anything they want and it doesn't affect them. Bravo for them. That's not us. Okay. <laughs> and you know, it, when you keep thinking like, um, oh, everybody else does it. Why shouldn't I be able to do this? Or why is this affecting me? Too bad. Suck it up, buttercup. Okay. It's like, just learn. What... I think the audience is starting to get where I get my tough love <laughs> right. mindset It's from. like, well, you just got to be like, you know what? That this is your life, this is what you were dealt with. How can you be the best version of yourself every single day, mentally, spiritually, everything, every just every in every, every aspect. aspect. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I think that's great advice for people out there. You know, it, it basically comes down to this. Yeah, question. question. You know, we need to question it. And I think I wanna, you know, give you you know, some credit here because you talked about how the lifestyle stuff seems so obvious now yes. and who wouldn't know to do that. I think this is the issue. We do all know this stuff works, but the disconnect in the Western system Correct. comes down to 
if I asked any doctor, any disease, physical or mental, hey, if I ate really, really well, right. whatever the heck that means, if I ate really, really well, do you think this would help the symptoms? I don't know one that wouldn't say yes to some degree, but they there's a disconnect where it's between yes to some degree versus no, in our world, we know that when people change their diet around and do certain things with targeted supplementation, right. their symptoms go away. Right. That's Absolutely. a lot different than yes to some degree. Well, you, the other end of that is you might not have this disease anymore. And of course, that's not a claim. That's not a promise that sure. we make. But this, I mean, you guys, listen, if you're an avid listener of the podcast, you've heard the stories. We're not making claims. These are people's stories Correct. about what happens to their body when they get better. I could give you an example. Again, like, you know what? I feel like I could do 15 podcasts with you because there's <laughs> a lot. Maybe we should have like done it from, okay, let's tonight just talk about from 2009 to 2010. It probably would have been better. <laughs> maybe because I don't 10 want- 10 part series. Yeah, because I don't want your listeners to think like- um, the, each segment is so important and leads into another space in your world and you've really got to like fix all the cracks and spackle yourself all up before you can like build another level to your house okay you really do okay so to move to a different situation in reference to what you said i had a cardiologist when those pvcs got really bad to the point they weren't stopping i asked him over and over again can I, can I, um, should I not uh, even work? Like, should I stop doing work? Should I stop doing this? Should I stop? And this is like years later also. There's nothing you can do, Christine. There's nothing you can do, Christine. I go down the pen to another cardiologist. She sat there for 45 minutes, listened to everything I said in my week. Because again, we all get busy. We don't realize what we're doing. First thing she said, magnesium. She's like, I'm like, that's funny. I heard that from, before from Jim Aleka, okay? Because I work with Jim Aleka. I think the fourth episode for anyone interested on this podcast oh, but, was Jim Aleka's oh, wonderful. Interview. She's okay. one of the first six. Um, and then the other thing, she going back to my dental work, she listened to me over and over again. I had one particular tooth that was causing quite a problem. And I had a, first it got worked on. It was still, I was still in pain. He went in, did a root canal wasn't like wasn't done all the way he's like i still in pain went back again this is all within like 10 days and he's like ah he's like this is weird it's rare sometimes there's like four canals rather than three or four or five instead of four something like that you can have any ended up honest that's listening knows exactly what i'm talking about so there was another one so he had to open it back up so i'm telling her all this and she says to me do you know and going and i think that's why i use the adrenal epinephrine um, scenario in the beginning of our discussion she said do you know there's epinephrine in novocaine and i said nope absolutely not she i remember was, you taught me that uh -huh, i didn't i think right. many of the listeners wouldn't so know she that said, please ask your doctor if that's what he's using and sure enough he's like yep that's exactly what i use so here my pvcs they're putting me on every kind of heart medication beta blockers all kinds of calcium things um oh, what are they called they're called calcium I'm sorry about that because I don't want to put something on the air without knowing it's. A, oh yeah, no big deal. It's like a calcium blocker. I mean, it's definitely beta blocker, but it slows your heart rate down. But any, it changes. Like we're doing something to your heart when now I just don't get epinephrine anymore when I go to the dentist. Okay, and between that, magnesium, um, and extra intake of water because I I didn't realize again. Work you were the one that suggested I work with Jim Maleka, which was fantastic. I didn't like it. Everything's a hindsight, isn't it? Yeah. I knew I had, I drank water like mad, didn't I? Never knew 
when I was working out for every half hour you work out that you're supposed to have another glass of water or every time like I didn't know that I didn't know about all the extra water and I was working out yeah, there's more of a system to, or guidelines to it correct yeah. and I had no idea so. so a lot of the times the PVCs were caused from dehydration as well but I would like to go back if I can is it alright if I go back yeah. to because when I saw my endocrinologist for the first time he was and he still is my endocrinologist he's an amazing man I'm very smart and he does listen to me. Um, and he's very open to like when I told him I was seeing another endocrinologist, he actually loved it, encouraged it, and wanted to work with her. So I really respect him for that. But this is what happened. He's so used to a certain way of t- treatment that it was like, okay, he's showing me. Then he does the full panel. I finally got a full panel, T3, T4, free T3. At the time, my T3, is my T3, yes, exactly. It was my T3 was like 6.3. He circled it. He says to me, you guys see this? He goes, this is cocaine to your thyroid. And all of a sudden, it's like click, 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 like all over the place. I'm like, that's why I feel like this. Okay, well, that's a nice cliffhanger to end on. And yes, don't you worry. We did ask her the signature question that we always ask on the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive, but we finished it in part two. Part two is coming out August 11th, 8 p.m. EST. That episode will touch a little bit more on my mom's story, some of the lessons that both her and I learned just as a family that we learned from someone that is dealing with severe health issues, and I've been there myself in my own way. And then also, this is really a cool part for our listeners out there, she gave me permission to go deep into her labs and discuss what we saw on those. Now, my mom ran these a couple years ago. She is not a health professional. She's a client, just like anyone else. So she doesn't remember and is able to recall every little thing that was on there and what the meaning of it was, but I certainly can. So we will touch on her hormone test, we will touch on her GI map, we will touch on her MRT, and a couple other things as well. So thank you guys so much for listening to this. If you like this kind of content, please feel free to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Just search The Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. We would love you guys more than we already do, and I'm looking forward to talking again Thursday where we release part two of this interview. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast. If you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to FDNThrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's FDNThrive.com.